Hey guys, welcome back to the Back to Gold podcast. We are here with a slightly impromptu episode after watching Qatar versus Ecuador in the World Cup opener. Um, we obviously released our World Cup preview episode earlier today. This will be released in the evening on Sunday, so a little bit of a quick turnaround. But we thought, why not spend an episode uh, talking about Qatar versus Ecuador and also delving into a few of our World Cup hot takes plus mentioning the fact that Karim Benzema will be missing the tournament, which we unfortunately weren't able to do in our preview because we recorded that before the news of his injury came out. Um, I am joined, of course, by my co-host, Jamie Monks. Jamie, the World Cup has begun. Yes, it has, and it was... Um, Not the best game to start, pretty, but... Pretty, yeah, uh, it doesn't really get you too excited. That, that second half was... Uh... Pretty turgid. Yeah. So much so that I thought I'd better go and make myself a sausage sandwich just to pass the time because <laughs> it was just so. <sighs> but the benefit is is that it can only get better from here on out. Mm. Um, so yeah, like we say, we're gonna delve into a little bit about Qatar versus Ecuador. I know it wasn't perhaps the most entertaining opening day game that we've ever seen in the World Cup, but there were still some interesting moments. Uh, most notably, Ena Valencia, um, who we did mention in our World Cup preview, and he scored a brace. Um, I mean, he, he opened the scoring about three minutes in, but VAR ruled it out um, for an offside, which you know <laughs> led to a lot of. Calls on Twitter for um, corruption, uh, yeah. but VAR. But it did prove to be like it was the right call. He was offside. Yeah, there, there was a lot of discourse, but then you actually check the footage back. It is offside, and you, that just makes you think. If you know, the VAR people in, in the booths are just thinking, we are going to get so much stick for this, even though it's you know it is the right call, the yeah. right decision. But it's just the whole sort of feeling around Qatar at this World Cup is. They need all the help they can get. I mean, you know, we saw that today because they were pretty uninspiring. Yeah, Ecuador made it look very, very easy. The second half, like you say, wasn't great. And it did kind of feel like a training exercise, really, a, a defence v attack. And even in the first half, there were moments where it did feel not particularly competitive, really, where Ecuador was sort of just strolling. They didn't really feel like Ecuador even really got going. They didn't. I didn't feel like Ecuador were brilliant. There were moments where they put together some really impressive passing sequences. Um and started off attacks really nicely, but I don't think that's the most we'll see of Ecuador, and we'll really be able mm. to tell how good they are against the Netherlands and Senegal mm. um, in later games in the group stages. But Qatar had a four-month training camp after suspending their sort of national league in September, but it didn't really seem like it. They seemed really, really off the pace, didn't they? Uh, yeah, it, it seemed like one of them games. You know, when you watch back, like sort of old footage of uh, games from like, let's say, the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, where there's not real, there's no real solidity to the team. It's all just man marking, not staying in zones in terms of midfield zonal like sort of marking, um, and just really unprofessional. Yeah, you know, I, I thought I was watching you know a game at Plot Court at one, at one point. <laughs> yeah, Plot Court is uh, where me and Jamie play our university football, um, the the fortress as they call it. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, Qatar. I think the thing that was striking to me was that midfield. Like you mentioned, it was just really, really open, and Ecuador made the most of it. Really, there were times where I think Ecuador could have done things better themselves. They weren't. They were far from perfect, really, but. Yeah, Qatar, for such a long break, potentially that, that hindered them maybe, the fact they haven't been playing competitive football for a while, whereas most of the Ecuadorian squad have been playing competitive games mm. at the start of the season. And maybe, 
obviously the, the Winter World Cup has been criticised for being in the middle of the season and that kind of thing, injuries picking up. But at the same time, on the flip of that, players are up to speed with the season. It's not at the end of the season when they're all tired and yeah. everything. And the Ecuador players certainly looked sh- far sharper mm. than the Qatar players, especially like in the first 10-15 minutes mm. where Qatar didn't really get going. And maybe that is a result of just not playing any competitive football. Yeah, I think having a four-month sort of build-up for one game as well, it, it can potentially get in your head almost the occasion becomes a bit too big because you've you know been waiting so long to get onto that pitch you know maybe that's what happened today with the Qatari players and then you know next two games just going to steamroll Senegal and Netherlands yeah obviously you imagine in the the group this was kind of like the game that Qatar could have could have potentially got yeah, points yeah. yeah and to pass up the opportunity so timidly I guess is is probably disappointing and obviously fans sort of started leaving the stadium really really early um, and disappointing because you know for the fans they wanted to show up an opening day performance mm. to be proud of and I mean it didn't start well when three minutes in their keepers flapping at the ball and um, they concede obviously ball out for offside but you know it set the tone really um, and obviously it was Enna Valencia who grabbed both the goals that did stand for Ecuador um, we mentioned him in our World Cup preview how he's got 13 goals and 11 starts in the league for Fenerbahce this year and you know, he's now scored Ecuador's last five goals in the World Cup after bagging three in 2014. Obviously, they didn't qualify for 2018. And mm. yeah, he, he clearly looks like their talisman, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, record, all-time record goal scorer as well. So he is, you know, the guy. I was quite surprised when I heard that because I thought the other Valencia for Ecuador may have potentially you know, grabbed a couple more when he used to be that quality right winger. Of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I just think the whole, the, the second half just really put a, dampener on the tournament the amount of fans leaving early there was reports as well of you know uh, traffic sort of getting to the game and people just couldn't get in until like 15 minutes after kickoff as well for all this talk of Qatar you know potentially running like a really sustainable world cup and you know this is 220 billion pounds spent you would have thought it'd be a bit better run because that's been the talk it's going to be so efficient in terms of clean energy I mean What's that matter when you can't even get to the bloody game? Yeah, um, and just mentioning on Enna Valencia in terms of him, that second goal, that header was something that really caught our eye. Um, the way he his movement to make it happen, mm. and then the header itself was was pretty remarkable, really. And it shows just the form that he's been in this season, really. Yeah, um, he, he's there's a goal in my mind that he scored for West Ham back in the day, which is sort of similar the way he's going back and directing it sort of back towards goal because it, it's, it's one of the hardest sort of techniques to master that yeah he's going away from goal yeah. isn't he you, you lose all the momentum when you're running back away from goal and to direct it with that much power the way he does it was uh, you know, pretty impressive and that penalty was you know calmness personified I guess yeah. it was so the way he just walked up to it calmly slotted home um, very very impressive and that sort of set the tone really for Ecuador I mean that goal itself was just really poor well, defending yeah. from but, Qatar. But, but also well worked by Ecuador, I thought. The way they carved through him so quickly. It was yeah. win the ball in midfield, two passes and they're in. Yeah. But that's also down to Qatar's uh, empty midfield. Midfield, yeah. Considering Qatar played you know, 3-5-2 with three central midfielders, it certainly didn't look like that for, for either of the goals, really, mm. because the second, Caicedo's got so much space there to drive forward before the cross eventually comes in for Valencia to head home. But yeah, that first goal, Mendes obviously intercepts it, and then you know one prop, one pass through the lines, and they're literally in on goal. And then you know Valencia goes through, rounds the keeper, and gets fouled, and, and then scores the penalty. But obviously Valencia forced off 
through injury. Obviously, he suffered that injury in the first half, mm. um, carried on, walked a little bit gingerly in the remainder of that first half. Obviously, got treatment at half-time and then came off. Knee injury, it, it remains to be seen whether that's going to be something that actually keeps him out or it's just a, a niggle, really. But if if that does mean that he's not fully fit for the tournament, that, that could really hamper them, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you lose your talisman, it's, it's never great. Um and I think they're going to need, especially in that Senegal game, because that seems to be the sort of shootout game for who's going to qualify, in, in my mind anyway. I think Netherlands should, they should have through, enough, yeah. should breeze through top of the group, and then it's going to be that game which you know, decides who, who finishes second. And if you don't have your main man, your goal scorer in that game, you know, you're going to really struggle. Yeah, obviously Ecuador plays Senegal in the final match day, so Ecuador will be playing Netherlands before that, um, which you'd imagine Netherlands are able to, to win that game. But Ecuador you know, showed signs in this game that they are a good team, and obviously qualifying showed that as well. Um, obviously they drew with Brazil and Argentina in qualifying for this World Cup, and Tite, I think, pick them as his sort of dark horses in the mm. tournament so if you're getting praise from the Brazil manager you must be doing something right and so yeah there's no mean there's no guarantee that Netherlands do win that game but you do imagine that Senegal Ecuador on the final match day is going to be the shootout to reach the last yeah. 16. I, th- I also think we're going to see a theme with the South American teams this 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 tournament with their energy and pressing because they are just so physically in shape I think compared to most of the other continents um there were times in, in, in the first half where the, the Qatar just couldn't live with with their energy, their intensity and their pressing. And I think that's only just the start of their sort of Ecuador's potential in terms of, you know, that, that energy that they, they can, you know, display on the pitch. Yeah, obviously Ecuador went with a, a four four two in the game to match against Qatar's three five two and sort of the way they built up free possession was by dropping um, Jackson Mendes um, obviously plays for Los Angeles FC. He he went in between the two centre backs um, to start the attacks, and that sort of seemed to work because you had the Ecuadorian centre backs splitting wide, the full backs push on. Um, obviously, a stooping out on the left and Angelo Presido on the right, um, and that seemed to work. Obviously, you're kind of matching up in terms of against the defensive shape in that yeah. regard, and it enabled them to start attacks with really with ease, really. Because when Qatar had the ball in the back line, it never felt like they were good, it was going to lead to a good chance. Whereas Ecuador had it, and they were able to build up through the phases to then create a chance, and they never seemed uncomfortable in possession uh, in that back line, even when they were. Rarely, I mean, they were pressed a few times, but whenever that did happen, they were able to play out really easily. Whereas with Qatar, it was a completely different story. So maybe that's a theme with Ecuador that you'll see that they are um, comfortable playing out from the back, and it's maybe something that they'll use against Senegal, who are potentially more likely to try and play on the break. Um, and Ecuador mm. will have a slightly different threat to face against because Qatar didn't really cause them any issues defensively, and maybe Ecuador can be got out defensively, but we don't really know. But yeah. from their structure in terms of possession play, it looks pretty strong to me. Mm. Uh, but I, I also think in that game with Senegal, there could be potential for if um, Mendes wants to drop deep. I, I think Senegal have the tools to combat that, don't they? Yeah, certainly more than Qatar, that's yeah. for sure. With, yeah, with you know, Idrissa game midfield and Papa Matassar. There's definitely you know signs and sort of patterns that uh, Senegal can definitely take from this game and, and take into that that showdown later on in, in, in Group A. Yeah, obviously Qatar, that front two was what was billed as their most dangerous weapons, really. Almaz Ali was the top scorer in the Asian Cup in 2019 and Akram Afif was 
sort of billed as their sort of most influential player mm. had um, the Javi Kosan, I guess, from when he was at Al Sad. Um, Javi, that was. Um, and Afif did look like their most competent player in possession. He occasionally, I mean, he was playing up front, you know, in the front two, but occasionally he did actually drop to like drop the centre backs yeah. to start attacks. And on commentary, they were like, we don't want you there. We want you further up. But at the same time, like the one time he did do that, I noticed, played a great ball through the lines that took about two Ecuador players out the game. And maybe that's something they need just to progress the ball because there was a lot of the time there was just no no one who could do that mm. in Ecuador. So maybe, although he is sort of like their danger man in forward areas, maybe it's an option for them to drop him slightly deeper into yeah. that midfield three maybe or change formation just to get him on the ball to you know start attacks because they did look pretty absent in that area and it never really caused Ecuador any problems really. I, I'm yeah. not sure if you Yeah, agree. no, I, I, I thought Afif was definitely the most technically secure out of, out of the Qatar eleven. And it, it's just yeah, that, that's a problem, isn't it? Because yeah. you're watching the other players, and you don't know whether the ball's going to bounce a hundred yards away from them or not. And that's never that's never good when you're trying to build out from the back. Yeah, for sure. And for me, it was it was certainly a case of Ecuador had the players who impressed more, which obviously the scoreline suggests as well. Obviously Valencia, we spoke about Jackson Mendes. He did impress me the way he he was the one who won the ball with a sliding challenge for the first goal that you know from the penalty. Um, and like we said, built up possession really nicely. And I thought al- alongside Caicedo, that was a that's lovely a good, little... That's a good pivot. Yeah, that's really nice. And, and if anything, I think Mendes probably stood out a little bit more than Caicedo. Mm. Caicedo, obviously the bigger name, playing in the Premier League, linked with some of the biggest clubs in England. But Mendes certainly caught the eye for me. And I think that, yeah, he's a player who impressed and might be one of those ones who, at 25, gets a move off the back of this World Cup if he can continue that form. Um Another player who might potentially is is the right back I mentioned him earlier, Angelo Presido at Genk, um, right back, and he was a little bit chaotic really. I mean, I remember him doing like an acrobatic bicycle kick clearance when the ball yeah, was going out. Bit unnecessary, <laughs> but <laughs> bit, fun. Bit reckless, you know. Bit energetic. He provided the cross, which the rest of his game was pretty reckless and pretty rushed. But I like that, and the cross mm. provide. You know, it's a great assist. For Valencia's header, obviously Valencia, the header is amazing, but the cross is also into a really dangerous area. Um, and I just thought he sort of caught my eye about you know 10-15 minutes in, and I thought he played really well. Um, so he's a player that mm. I'll be keeping on in the Ecuador's you know next two games and further if they get through to the knockouts. Um, and a nice little stat from the game is that this is the first time a host nation has ever lost the opening game in World Cup history, which is really surprising when I heard that. You know, no team had ever lost, no host had ever lost the opening game um, before this game. And, yeah, surprising that that is a stat that's only been broken, you know, now. But, you know, when you think about the, the teams that have hosted the World Cup in the past, I mean, like maybe apart from USA in 94. And South Africa obviously got um, but, but a they, result. But US, USA and South Africa, they are, you know, semi-competent. Like they're, they're good teams, <laughs> and if Yeah. This is a great indication that Qatar should have never really hosted this because one of the things that is sort of built into hosting a World Cup is you have to be, you know, somewhat a good national team, and uh, Qatar so far certainly haven't shown that. Yeah, well, remains to be seen whether Qatar can turn around their campaign and qualify. Obviously, they've got a you know mountain to climb now, facing Netherlands and Senegal. But you never know; stranger things have happened in football, and obviously Ecuador. A great start for them, obviously one win from one and impressed look very good and look like a team who could make it through to the knockout stages, which would be a great achievement for them because 
you know, that's what they can really hope for, really. I think a last mm. 16 might be all they can do, but, you know, maybe they can go and be a surprise and reach the quarterfinals, even if they, if they do manage to make it out of the groups. We'll go on to a talking point then. We've just discussed Ecuador versus Qatar, the opening game. Talked about the players that impressed us, the game itself. Um, and now we're going to move on to Karim Benzema missing the World Cup through injury. Obviously, this news broke um, earlier today, or was it last night? It was last night. Yeah, obviously, yeah. this was um, you know after we recorded our World Cup preview, so we didn't discuss it in that episode. So we thought we'd discuss it now. Your thoughts on it? Does this hinder France's chances? Uh, well, a player as good as him, it, it's it a shame de- to lose him. It definitely does, but also Benzema was coming into this tournament not one hundred percent fit anyway. So yeah. if he if he hadn't have picked up that in like the the recurring injury again, I don't think he'd be at you know the height of his powers. Which if he was, he'd definitely you know at least take him to the semi final. I think. But also, you've got the potential for Olivier Giroud to be the star man again yeah. for France, not getting a single shot on target. Yeah, obviously, yeah, Giroud was their starting striker at the 2018 World Cup, didn't score a single goal, but you know France won the World Cup, so at the end of the day, he kind of did everything that you can really ask because his, t- mm. his nation won the tournament. Um, obviously, th- This time, Giroud's coming in with really good form yeah which was not the case case, yeah he's been on fire for Milan last season and this season and obviously you know the famous comments of Kylian Mbappe that he'd rather play with Giroud than the likes of Messi and Neymar so obviously it probably gives Mbappe the chance to play with Giroud um, which didn't happen at Euro 2020 when Benzema did start and you know did score a fair few number of goals but you know you do wonder whether Giroud could actually be a, a strange blessing in disguise for France with Giroud being able to play as the link man for the likes of Mbappe, Griezmann, uh, Ousmane Dembele. Um, so, yeah, it will be interesting to see whether this hinders them or it, it strangely helps France. Mm. I don't think I don't think it I don't think helps. It, I don't think it helps because, you know, you're losing a quality, like the person who won the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. But in terms of functionality of that starting line, if Benzema's in the squad, I think Deschamps starts him. Mm-hmm. And whether that obviously he's a better player than Giroud, but stylistically and how he wants to play and the system of the team, maybe Giroud works better. I think, I think they both link and hold up play very, very well though. So I'm I'm not I'm not fully on board with this take from you, I'm afraid. That's fair. We can agree to disagree. I, I think that they both work stylistically, but maybe Deschamps will be thinking that Giroud might work better for the team. I don't know if that's what he is thinking, but there's a potential that that his a thought that he might have even started Giroud anyway, even if Benzema wasn't injured. Obviously, he's decided not to take a replacement. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's that definitely ma- a negative. That, does that maybe suggest that he was not going to start Benzema anyway? Uh, I don't know, in terms of like if Giroud was going to start anyway. If, if you've lost a complete starter, maybe he wasn't... I don't know, I'm not sure. If I, just, I just think in may, that, maybe they've already travelled to Qatar and they, they don't want to take anyone else. I... Personally, though, I just would bring call someone up. Yeah, no, I'd obviously but, bring up someone like Martin Terrier or Moussa Diaby. I don't understand. I don't really understand how Deschamps hasn't picked an yeah, extra attacker. I think it's hard, yeah. Because I know you got the flight, but like, just not really. It just means you can have an extra player there. Yeah. Like he can replace. What, yeah. What, what if someone else gets injured? Yeah. Are we, are we just going to lose all your players until you get just a bare eleven? <laughs> maybe that's what, he wants a challenge yeah. after cruising to the World Cup yeah, last time. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but what do you think France's hopes are without Benzema now? Do you uh, think they can still aim for the same? You know you know finish as they could have done if he had been fit I mean in my predictions I said that they would make it to the final 
against Argentina and lose, but now not as confident. But we were saying this that that there's a lot of things not going France's way at the moment, and this is just you know added yeah, added, added to the pile. Injury. Yeah, it's another injury. Yeah, but uh, in terms of Benzema being not fully fit anyway, and Giroud starting the season as well as he has done, do you think it's that much of a drop off? Like if if Benzema you know Benzema coming into this tournament, if you haven't picked up the made the injury worse or whatever, do you think he you know a seventy percent fit Benzema is better than a fully fit Giroud in form? That's an interesting debate. I mean, if we're talking percentages, who knows? I, I don't know the maths. Um, but I think yeah, losing Benzema, even if he's not going to you know play the games, losing him as a dressing room presence, I think's definitely huge. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll go on to our some you know World Cup hot takes now, um, and we'll start with you. We're going to go. You know, one from you, then one for me. So, what is your first hot take that's going to happen in this World Cup? Uh, my first hot take is that after his horrific interview with Piers Morgan, Ronaldo is going to go to the World Cup and not score a single goal, not even a, a smelly penalty that he usually loves to do. Just... So, you don't think Portugal will get a penalty this World Cup? Because surely he takes them if they do get one. But he might miss it. Um, well, maybe not now. Maybe chain of command is Bruno's top dog since that Ronaldo interview. <laughs> maybe. Maybe Fernando um, Santos has made the call. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think since... Uh, there's, he's taken a dark cloud to the Portugal camp, I think. And you know the coverage that they've been getting with the, the weird altercation with him and Bruno, it, even though it was meant to be a joke... There was a lot of stuff made about it in the media and the, the the weird moment on the training pitch with Cancelo as well. It's just, in my mind, it's set up for Ronaldo to have a pretty horrid World Cup. And I think his, his form for United also shows that as well. Three goals in 16 appearances. On the ball, he's looked awful. Off it, even worse. Um, and I just, yeah, I just don't think it's going to be his time. And with, you know, Portugal's group being pretty tough in terms of mm. Uruguay, Ghana, Korea Republic there is a chance Portugal don't make it out of the group yeah. so he's, if they if that happens he's only got three games to score so it is a pretty difficult task anyway if they are to get knocked out but then again he did you know bang a lot of goals at Euro 2020 and at the last World Cup uh, yes but uh, before those tournaments he was still playing very well at club level this time he isn't yeah. And this time he's just gone and aired his dirty laundry to Piers Morgan. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my first hot take is that Belgium will exit at the group stage. I think we both said this, didn't we? Yeah, I think we may, we may well have mentioned so pretty, this pretty as lukewarm, a... Pretty lukewarm then, yeah. <laughs> um, in our um, World Cup preview. But yeah, I just think that... I'll, I'll mention it now because I just think that Belgium... Their group might not be the toughest with Canada, Croatia and Morocco, but I just... I have a weird feeling that they're just going to be really poor this tournament. They're going to be completely reliant on Kevin De Bruyne, which is fine because he's a very good player, but Lukaku is not going to be fully fit and I'm not sure if he's able to produce. Eden Hazard's not been able to produce for several years now. Um, And I also like the look of how Morocco's team is sort of Mm. functioning and the same with Croatia, who are always a threat in international tournaments. So I just think that Belgium could have a very disappointing tournament where they have they they might be the team that have the you know, the big team that have a shock group stage exit for me just personally. Yeah, no, I think I, I probably agree with that. I just think it's going to have to be an almighty De Bruyne carry job, and I'm not sure he, he can take that that sort of weight on his shoulders. 
Um, you've obviously got some. Well, I mean, we discussed it the other day. You, we've got some decent youth talents coming through, but most of the old boys are, you know, getting to getting to the end, not looking a hundred percent. And I think pff, Martinez has sometimes shown his naivety. This, in, this in, might in be big, him gone. I think. Yeah, in in the big stage, you know, that semi final against France, I thought they were pretty horrid in that in that game, um, and that was partly down to his manager and the, the game against decisions. Italy yeah. in, in the Euros. Yeah. they were so open for Insigne's goal. I think it was. Yeah, just in like completely just played through with absolute ease. Mm. Yeah, no, no pressure on him just to score from twenty five yards. Yeah, um, so. yeah, no, I, I think that's a. I agree with that one. Okay. Do you do you agree with my Ronaldo one? I I, I think Ronaldo won't score an open play goal. I think there's a chance that's he a bit a more re- yeah, it's a bit a bit more reasonable, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and what's your second hot take for this World Cup then? Uh, I think that there'll be only one European team in the semi-finals. So who do you think is going to make up the rest of them? So I think it's going to be Brazil, Argentina in this one semi-final, and Uruguay, France in the other. Even with the Benzema injury. Even with well. I did make the prediction before, but before the injury, but you know, I'll double down. Giroud's going to win it all for him. Impressed with Uruguay then? I just think, I just think that the theme of this this tournament is South Americans. The South American teams will dominate. I just think their energy levels, their pressing, will it will just suffocate most teams. And I think right now, I don't think Europe. You know, some of the European sides are at the level. Of, of of South America, so yeah, that's that's my hot take. Yeah, fairs. Um, and my second hot take is that Qatar and Costa Rica both won't score a goal. Um, it was going to be just Costa Rica, but after seeing after Qatar's seeing that, yeah. performance, I don't think they'll score against Senegal and Netherlands. And as for Costa Rica, um, we mentioned it in our World Cup preview, but they are still just completely reliant on the team of 2014 that you know did very well in that tournament. But you know they've this eight years on from now, and they're still relying on the same stars and. Their group is Germany, Japan and Spain and I just think that Germany and Spain will dominate the ball against them and I can't see them having many chances and Japan I think will also be too much for them and I just can't see where the goals come from. They were you know, goal shy in qualifying, um, didn't score many goals at all. Was it 15 and 15 14? 15 and 14 yeah. games I believe, yeah. And so you know, with that record and still qualifying, like you're against some weak teams yeah. there and you're only scoring that many goals and against some of the best teams in the world in Germany and Spain and Japan, who are going to be good this tournament, I believe. I just can't see them actually managing to score a goal. And the same goes for Qatar. Agree? Yeah, I feel like you're... Yeah, actually, apart from the Ronaldo won't score, they've all been fairly reasonable hot takes, I think. And this last one but, might might change that. Yeah. Uh, hmm. uh, my final really spicy hot take um, is that Mehdi Taremi for Iran will be the top scorer in Group B. Group uh, B. So Harry Kane is getting nowhere. Uh, and he was Gareth Bell. Not compared to Taremi, let me tell you. Uh, I just think. I don't think they'll. <laughs> I don't think they'll go through. But I just think he'll. We'll score goals. England England will score goals tomorrow. We'll be three nil up, and he'll just score one or two consolation goals. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think Harry Kane is going to win the Golden Boot this time. It, it'll play more games than Taremi, obviously, but I think in the group stages it, it'll struggle to you know get off the mark like like he did at the Euros. You know, he didn't yeah, score till the Germany game. The, yeah, the Germany game, and that was a. A filthy tapping as well, consolation goal. That was a good header. Fil- it was behind him. Filthy. And uh, yeah, I just think that's going to be sort of the theme of Iran's World Cup. Just it? he scores like one each game. 
Yeah, just, yeah, just steady goals. I, I predict four. Four goals for Taremi. Yeah. Nice. And my final hot take is that no Spain player will score more than one goal. That is also pretty hot as well. I just, yeah. I mean, Spain. I think we'll, you know, they they should get through the group. I know it's a, a tough group. We mentioned it with Costa Rica, obviously Germany and Japan in there with them, but. I still, even if they get through, I still just don't think that they'll have anyone who scores more than one goal. I think that they'll be pretty goal shy throughout the tournament. They'll, you know, might win one nils, some some two nils, some two ones. Mm. But I think that they'll just share the goals around because they don't have out one and out. out and yeah. yeah, I mean, Morata's scored goals wherever he's been, but I don't think see him scoring loads and loads or even scoring two. Um, Asensio may well play through the middle. Danny Olmo may well play through the middle. I mean, they've done that before. Think, you don't even think Ferran Torres might just get two? No, just I easily two goals. I mean, I've, got, I've got to stick my neck on the line yeah. somewhere. So I just don't think that Spain will have a player who scores more than one goal. I think they, they may well get, you know, four or five in the tournament, you know, maybe even more than that, but... I just think that they will share those goals between them and they'll get one goal each and it will be spread across their forward line. And I really think this actually has a, a good chance of coming through, this mm. hot take. Who, who's Spain's first game against? Uh, Spain's first game is against Costa Rica. So that's the game where you imagine out of the group stage ones that someone scores mm. more than one. Like I can easily see Spain scoring more than one goal and I don't think Costa Rica will score in that game, but... I just don't think they'll have someone like Ena Valencia who scores a brace. Mm. Uh, maybe, Mar- maybe none of Spain's players are as good as Ena Valencia. Morata's going to score five now just to shut you up <laughs> in that first game. I like Morata as a player. I really, I think he's been heavily criticised too much at each club he's been at. Um, and he's consistently hit double digits for goals across all competitions yeah. in pretty much most seasons he's been a professional. But I just don't think a Spain player will score two goals in this World Cup. They'll each score. They'll have about five players who score one. Fair enough. And we'll move on to our final section of this episode. We're back with Guest the Baller. Um, with our episode, the World Cup preview, we didn't do it just for time reasons because we were hitting nearly an hour and a half. Yeah. But this week we are going to do Guest the Baller. Um, the scores are currently you've got two and I've got one right. Yes. So you are winning. Um, and why don't I read the clues to you first this week? Go on then. Why not? Right. My clues are I've played with Etienne Capoue. Danilo and Lucas Moura. I have 29 international caps, but was left out of my country's 2018 World Cup squad. And me and my agent burned bridges at my previous club. Me and my agent burned That's a weird one. That that means it's sort of high profile. Fleeping. Etienne Capu. That is a broke That makes me think Watford Spurs straight away. That Danilo is uh, Brazilian right back, yeah? Yep. And oh, and also we forgot to say this has to be a player included in this year's World Cup as it's a uh, during the World Cup. So this yeah. player is going to be competing in Qatar. My mind has really, you know, I'm, I'm looking at these words right now and nothing's actually making any sense. <laughs> I want to say uh, who was that geese? Uh, Sandro, what's his face? His name's Sandro, the Tottenham midfielder. Yeah, it's not him. Ooh, is it Lacelso? It's not Giovanni Lo Celso, no. That was a... Hmm, I guess Danilo probably hasn't played with him. Right, um, can I have some breakdowns, please? Um, did this player play with Etienne Capu at Villarreal? No. This is really... This has never been seen before on Guess the Ball, yeah, asking no, for I'm, more clues, but I'll allow it. Because it's hard. It's, it's too hard. Okay, I'll tell you this clue. This person has never played for Tottenham. 
because I'm assuming you thought Tottenham with Lucas Moura and Capu. That's the that's all you're getting. Never played for Spurs. Never okay. played for Spurs and didn't play for Capu at Villarreal. I'm thinking Watford Brazilians now, to be honest. Yeah, I'm going for it. Is it Richarlison? It's not Richarlison. What? Capu at Watford. Yeah. Danilo, national team. Yeah. Lucas Moura, Spuds, slash national team. I did say in the clue that this player has never played for Spurs. Oh, no. The player is Adrian Rabio. But he's not going to the 20... Wow, that no, is yeah, That's the thing. He didn't go to the 2018 World Cup. He played, yeah. with, he played with Capu on loan at Toulouse. Uh, Danilo, we played with him at Juventus yeah. right now, and Mora when they were at PSG. PSG. You, I think you could have got that clue, that those clues from the player from those clues. No, I disagree. Right, here we go. Here's your clues. <sighs> I've played with Adama Traore, Dusan Tadic, and Dani Alves. I've won the UEFA Champions League midfielder of the season, and I've scored one goal for my national side. There you go. Have fun okay. with that. Yeah, you said this is very easy and. Nothing's jumped out immediately. Play with Adama Traore, Dusan Tadic, and Dani Alves. So Dani Alves. So all three of their nations are at the World Cup. So it could be with any of them at national level. Adama has played for Wolves, Barcelona, Villa, and Middlesbrough. Tadic, Ajax, Southampton. Dani Alves, Barcelona, Juve, PSG. Okay. Um, I'm gonna make my first guess. Um, I'm not quite sure if this lines up, but is it Frankie De Jong? Yes, it is. Okay, I was just thinking Ajax and Barcelona, but yeah. the Adama Traore was... Oh, he went back to Barca, didn't he? Yeah. I, completely, I didn't even think about that. I was just doing Ajax and then Barca I, I Danny that, Alves. I think that middle clue really gives it away, to be honest. That I've won that told me what posi- That told me what position he played. That's, yeah. that's, that's the only clue, really, that it gave me. That he played midfield, and then I thought, yeah, that Ajax. No, but run. but also not many players win. Oh yeah, no, of course. But, it, but, it, but, of but it was more the fact that I got the position of it. But yeah, Frankie De Jong, I got it right. I knew I gave you an easy one. <sighs> thanks, thanks for being nice to me, mate. Yeah, you weren't nice to me. Agent falling out, what a load of nonsense. Um, but that is guess the ball over for. For this episode, we're now tied two all in the guess the baller championship standings. I guess I'll be back next time with the <laughs> most niche Ecuadorian player you'll that ever wasn't, know. I don't think mine was too difficult, but you've made it out like it is. It's no more difficult than your Jonathan Nicone one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm but, coming back with Nicone yeah, next oh, time, mate. Don't you worry. He's not going to the World Cup, so you can't do that. No, he's been called up. That's <laughs> to been replace it. Benzema. I've just heard it now. Deschamps just bailed me up. He said Nicone's in. Okay. Um, well, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Back to Gold podcast. We will be doing um, well more regular than weekly episodes during the World Cup. At the moment, anyway, we're going to be doing after each match day. So after the first match day of the group stages, which will be Thursday, we will do a podcast, um, release it hopefully Friday morning. Um, and then after the second set of games in the group, third set of games, and then obviously after the last 16, so on, so on. Um, so thank you very much for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it, um, and we will catch you next time. Mm-hmm.